Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Friday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. I wonder who my competition tonight gonna be. I know it ain't gonna be nobody up in here. They up in here. They up in here. Magnetic. F14. W. Organized campaign, I'm on my third route The album just dropped, I'm trying to get the word out Superhero theme music, Ron Sleep, walking, snoring The less rails for what was recorded My first stop was Sway in the morning Was written by Heather B. Toto was a fan since the real world on MTV now I MC, five fingers of death, couldn't chin check me Not before I had to get balls right Rehearsing, was asked about my upbringing How long I've been working And Sway's hair rap, look bigger hand person Was rhyming like it was a wake up show Homie tough, I got raps for days Gotta say something for Tony Touch My phone is gone, sorry, I can't talk right now I'm busy, traveling, making my rounds I sat down next on the schedule Was static selector, show already, yo Hey everybody, welcome back to Yo MTG Taps, I'm Big Head Joe. And I'm Steve Marshall. Steven's back! Yay! Did you, uh, did you have a good time on your trip? Yes, I uh, I traveled the nation seeking the hottest takes on Magic the Gathering, and that's all. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sorry about that. I was gone. I was gone. I'm sorry, guys. Hey, you know, it's okay. Look, I managed to do okay. Uh, I just did the show by myself last week, you know, and everything was fine. You know, as long as you didn't uh, turn it into a veritable live journal of sadness and emotion, I think we'll be. I think it'll be okay. I think it worked out okay. Well, anyway, um, this week we're gonna talk about some stuff that went on in Magic. There's actually been there's a lot of little news blurbs uh, going on. Uh, first of all, though, um, we talk about the results from this weekend that just passed. Um, Star City Games happened uh, in our town-ish. Not necessarily in our town, but in the town over from our town. And surely us both living in Dallas, we were in attendance? Nope. Yeah. Sorry, guys. It was Halloween. What do you want me to do? I really couldn't just be like, hey, I know I just went to Madison, Wisconsin, and... uh, all these other things, and and then I played in Modern States the weekend after. Oh, by the way, I'm going How to. How did you get away with that? How did I get away with I Modern don't States? Oh yeah, I could. <laughs> um, I felt really good about the deck, and you know, like wanted to take a stab at. It. I mean, it top eighted it, so I mean, it went pretty well, you know. Um, so, oh, we've got Oswald. Oswald's in the house. Say hi. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be our guest of dishonor because it's gonna swell shut. Not really welcome, but he's insisting upon something, and I don't know what it is. I think he just thinks that I'm yelling at him, which is what happens every week. I'm only mildly allergic to cats. You're good, buddy. Anyway, uh, so this happened on Halloween, unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, and we didn't go. Uh, but the event was won by Wes Blanchard. If you re- will recall, 
us recalling friend of the show, Wes. Friend of the show, acquaintance of the show. Friend of the show. No man, he's smashed both of us. I think that anyone who smashes both of our faces in in consecutive tournaments could be considered a friend of the show. Enemy, hated antagonist of the show. Yeah, West Bland. Yeah, I, I unfortunately, yeah, Alec May. Love Alec, but I haven't played against Alec enough lately for him to still be my arch nemesis. I think I think West is the new the new uh, the new target for nemesising. <laughs> That's so bad. But, I, but anyway, Wes has consistently whooped on both of us uh, a, a lot. Yeah. And, yeah, and and he won in Dallas, so I guess it was a good tournament to stay away from. He's, he's like Donald Trump, except not a politician, and he plays magic and is a different age. That's it, though. The hair is almost identical. They're both blondes. They're, the hair is almost identical. Um, so uh, he won playing uh, the green-red aggro deck that uh, I think it's very similar to the one that he played against me. Mm-hmm. Um, this deck is just crazy. I want to read it real quick. Uh, four Burning Tree Emissary, which I got to see all four oh, yeah. in the Oklahoma City story, uh, if you all recall. Um, experiment one times four, four flint hoof boar. Sure. You love it. Four curd ape, uh, four tarmogoy, four vexing devil. You hate it. No, I mean, you know, I've not historically ever been a fan of vexing devil. Um, but I, I mean, this deck does have like a soft, I have a soft spot in my heart for this deck because it was the first modern deck essentially that I ever played. It was when these cards were in, uh, standard. This, this deck is like only like maybe 15 cards away from the first modern deck I've ever played, so I'm going to love it. Um, Wild Nacatl at the time was banned, but that would have been an obvious inclusion. The Tarkus Command wasn't printed yet. It did run Dismember. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, the creature says four burn... The thing that really sets it apart from most modern decks that are currently played, and even at the time were played, is the four Burning Tree Emissary, four Experiment 1, four Flint Hoof Boar. Um, This is a package that was in standard at the time was really good and like like a lot of modern decks their genesis is from standard decks that happened to be really good at the time uh four time we're going because that's just like the best two drop in stand in uh modern sorry and uh it also has vexing devil but uh, i think it's it has some really explosive draws um you think tarmogoyf's a better two drop in modern than the new jace i'm gonna say yes because i know i never play blue decks Sure, sure. I'm just curious. You know, I was just curious what your answer to that would be. I think it's better, but um, I think Tarmogoyf's better than Jace. It's it's, still a little it's young de- in the format to know for that's sure. That's insane. I mean, if, if we're debating that now, I mean, maybe you still buy the Jaces at ninety, <laughs> right? Or no? Or you sell them? You sell them for twenty five. That's the that, real pro move. That was the tech. That <laughs> yeah. was the tech that we pulled off. So that's the kind of uh, inside tips you'll get from listening to Yo MTG Taps. Yeah. Sell your Jaces for $25 all day, and twice on Friday, because that's what I literally did the Friday of that GP. <laughs> I sold two of them. That's great. <laughs> great. Yeah. I, I, I would pick them up after rotation, because they will fall after rotation. It'll just be like Liliana, mm-hmm. where that was like 
oh god, that was only a sixty dollar card in standard or fifty dollar card, and that felt like twenty or thirty. And I think that you know, Jace will be a like twenty thirty dollar card rotating out of standard, and then yeah, you you probably buy him. Yep, I agree. Um, yeah, but this deck just is really cool. I like it. No Abbott Carroll keep. Um, yeah. But the thing is, it's not running that many spells. So, you, you want a bunch of one-drops, and this has them in... Mexico. No Goblin Guide. That is... You know what? That's crazy. I didn't even notice that. That's really weird. Yeah. I mean, it's something he was playing before, I think, right? Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I played against Goblin Guide when I played him, yeah. So, it was eliminated for some I, reason. I think it's Vexing... I think he replaced it with Vexing Devil. Because I don't remember seeing Vexing Devil against him ever. The one thing, and the reason that I experimented, pun intended, with Vexing Devil in this deck originally, like I only played it as like a one or two of, but even if, you know, they they take the four damage or whatever, it's still a a one drop that you can play off Burning Tree Emissary. So basically what you could do is uh, Experiment 1, it's a 1-1, Turn 2, Burning Tree Emissary, you evolve your uh, experiment one. You get a one one. It's now a two two. Use the mana floating. You can play a wild McConnell. Uh, and if you have if you have a planes out, now your um, experiment one evolves into a three three. Then you play the vexing devil. And no matter what they choose, it still enters the battlefield, evolving your uh, experiment one now on turn two into a four four. That's amazing. So. You can have some pretty busted draws with Vexing wow. Devil versus Goblin Guide. Wow, this deck is cool as hell. So that does add some percent to Vexing Devil, which is normally all the Punisher mechanic cards aren't very good. Vexing Devil is as close as they've come, I think, before without b- before you can make it playable. But in combination with Experiment One, it added, there's some increased utility there. So. I'm going to have to stand corrected because Wes could just say scoreboard and he would be right and I'd be wrong um, in terms of like <laughs> modern decks that we've put together in the last couple months. Yeah. Um, but I did I did play a couple of Vexing Devils and I actually did like it at the time when I was playing this deck. Right. Or, you know, the predecessor to this deck. Uh, oh gosh, three years ago now. Um, you hear that? You hear that, Wes? He just busted his hipster cred on you on this deck. Oh, I like this deck when it was underground. You know, I was talking to Smitty or whatever, who originated the deck in Modern. And, yeah, it's cool. I like it. And the Vexing Devil draw where you can, like, get your Experiment 1 up to, like, a 4-4 is pretty cool. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. That's cool. It's worth playing. Yeah, that's cool. I like it a lot. Great deck. Uh, what else was the rest of this top eight? Let me see. Uh, we had um, we had a burn deck in the top eight. Oh, that makes me happy. This is a happy top eight. We had a burn deck. We had zoo, which this is what um, what kind of zoo? This is almost this is very similar. Only it's running four goblin guide, two grim lava mancer, uh, none of the less land, so eighteen lands. Uh, only three Tarmogoyfs, which is weird. It's uh, a weird number for Tarmogoyf. Yeah, this is just a weird number. In ju- This deck is just weird numbers. Gore Clan Rampager. I don't like this list. Sorry, Stephen Long. Don't like it. Um, Green Red Tron. Infect. Amulet Bloom. Boo. Uh, 
elves in the top eight, uh, Abzan in the top eight as well, uh, rounding out the top 16. Uh, it's Drew uh, Eafrate missed top eight. Lawson, Lawson Zandy, 11th place. Hey, there you go. Nice work. Nice work. Green, white, hex proof. Playing the uh, boggles because they can't just call it boggles anymore. It's called green, white, hex proof. I feel like SCG is just trolling me sometimes. But yeah, green, white, hex proof. What is Hulk Footsteps? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. I've uh, played it before. Uh, is that and like Proteus Hulk? Or? No, yes, it's, it's Protean, oh, Pro- Hulk. Protean Hulk. It's Protean Hulk. Oh, God. Wow. Okay, yeah, okay. I, I, I kind of get it. I'm not going to look at it. I don't care. Yeah, it's a combo deck. Yeah. It's a very fragile combo deck, but it's fast. Um, and it'll kill the, the turn you play it. And Body Double Revel Arc, Mog Fanatic, do the math. Don't. Because it's, 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 it's a hard deck to play. It's actually, I don't even know if it's a hard deck to play. Like, you, you just have to figure it out one time. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't know. It basically, like, the punchline is that you can, instead of Gorio's Vengeance, you can actually use Footsteps of the Gorio to, to win. Because um, normally you need Gorio's Vengeance, where it's like, oh, it, it gives your legendary creature haste or whatever. Uh, this one, you can return a non-legendary creature. Um, so it you can play a bunch of different combos. and You basically recur Mog Fnac over and over and over and over. So if that's your thing, you know, go for it. Six copies of Burn in the top 32. Welcome to Texas. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh, that makes me happy. That's why I run four... Uh... Oh, God, I can't remember the card. That's why I moved here. Jesus. <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the card now. The card that completely hoses Burn. Core Firewalker. Yep. That's why I run four of them in my sideboard. If you're in Texas, I suggest you do the same. I don't like it. I think I don't. I don't like it unless you're gonna run a land that doesn't do damage to you. Mm. I feel like paying six. Well, so, to so the play the card defeats the purpose. Uh, no, it's fine. You pay four life to win the game. That's fine. Do you if you do don't have it in your opening hand, then you don't have to play as if you'll get it. You can have those battle, and and if you have it in your opening hand. You can sacrifice speed by just having those into the battlefield tapped. You're not paying for life. If you know you're playing up to that, you can, like, sacrifice... And you want to stockpile burn cards anyway once you know you have that card. Because then you gain life. True. You cast them. So, basically, instead of it turning into a race, you know that you have inevitability. You increase that inevitability by stockpiling life gain in the form of burn cards to play after you cast your core Firewalker. So, if you have it in your opening hand, then by all means, you know, play... You, you change your game plan. Normally, burn will take the damage up front uh, in order to get some speed, which is what you want. You want your combo deck, and combo decks generally want to win faster. But if you have it in your opening hand, which is what would change your decision in terms of like fetching certain lands, you could just have them in the battlefield tapped, and then you don't play your burn spells uh, for the first few turns. But now, hey, you have all these burn spells to play. Now you have a four- core firewalker in play, and you gain a whole bunch of life. All right, I love it now. Fine, yeah, Fine. it's great. It's great. Trust. Fine, me. you've sold me a firewalker. <laughs> yeah, put four of them in your sideboard. You'll be happy. All right, all right. Now it makes a lot more sense. I was just like, why would you ever? Okay, just this is the only. This is the one deck where I feel like I like I I know it somewhat inside now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's, it's, it's good. It, it's it's good. 
Okay, I believe you. I believe him, yo. I don't know why, but I do. We had uh, Standard also the next day, the Premier IQ. And uh, first place was Abzan Agro. It looks like the Abzan Agro Mirror was in the finals. Uh, but the winner was John playing Abzan Agro. This one actually is Abzan Agro. I've seen a lot of lists like where they're like, oh, it's Abzan Agro because they're running Warden of the First Tree and Anafenza, but like all the Abzan decks are running those cards right, right now. This has got Air of the Wilds. Yeah, Air of, Air of the Wilds. It's okay. You can tell what they're trying to do. Um, that's that's got Ferocious Soren's definitely like it's a later card, but it's definitely an Agro plane. Yeah, player. yeah. Uh, so this is actually aggressive. This is more aggressive than your standard Abzan build currently. Right. Um, and no, yeah, no Gideon, which is kind of crazy. Huh. But Soren instead, you think that was a card availability issue, or? That very well could be. I mean, Soren's a like pretty pricey card right now. Um, is it? What's it at? Click on it. Well, you can't, because he doesn't have it in his deck, but... Oh, so you said Soren's a pretty pricey card. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant Gideon. Gideon's a pricey card. Yeah, it could be a card availability issue, just because... Right. Yeah, I mean... So what's Soren at? No, Soren's... What is he at? Soren's like a 10, 10 bucks. bucks. That's yeah. not bad. He's actually good and modern in tokens, so hmm. keep an eye on. That's another one to keep an eye on. I do like that like people have been cutting down on Dromoka's command, and so this is kind of like a counterplay to everyone's now just jamming four Silk Wraps main deck, and this seems to be a reaction to that, because the reason Silk Wraps so good in this format is it's good against Hangerback Walker. Yeah. And if you notice in this deck, one Hangerback Walker, so he's down from four to one, and he's running four Dromoka's commands, which just... If you came thinking, okay, Silk Wrap's going to be just amazing versus this deck, these are decisions he's actively made to make Silk Wrap much worse versus an aggressive deck, which is not good because that's basically the card that all these other decks are hinging on or counting on to be good versus aggressive decks. It's like, well, I got my Silk Wraps in the early game, so it'll be okay. Well, this deck's like, well, I only have one Hangerback Walker and I have four Dramoka's Command, so good luck with that. Which I like. It's pretty nice. I, now, I like it. And then everyone's just all in on Warden of the First Tree. So I don't know what it was about the last standard format where people didn't want to run more than... Like, previously, it was standard just... To, standard. It was common practice to run one or two Wardens of the First Tree. And now, either it was just good the whole time, and people don't know, but now I'm seeing them as a four of, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I was playing against... I can't remember what deck it was, but I just remember I was like, well, if they stick an early ward in the first tree, I'm just kind of screwed. Because there's some, there's been some decks that are running um, not a ton of, like, just unconditional removal. And once this thing becomes, like, a 3-3 or greater, like, all the green-white decks, which is the kind of stuff I like to play, like, just don't have an answer for it. I think I was running the Bant Tokens deck that Sam Deck played at the Pro Tour. Sam Deck? Sam Black. Sam... Sam Black. Sam Black. Okay, I thought he, I thought that was an alias. No. Anyway, uh, Sam Black was running at the Pro Tour, and it's only running Silk Wrap as it's, like, removal. And that gets taxed pretty early on. And if they just get, like, a Warden of the First Tree out and there's no other hard removal, like, that's a that's an issue. Because they're like, oh, well, I can just block. I can trump block with my Secure of the Waste tokens. But, like, at a certain level, Warden gets trample and just gets out of control. 
So I, I like that. I like that deck to run that as a four of now. And I think there's just less good one and two drops. Well, there's no uh, fleece main line. That might be one reason. I don't know. Mm, that makes um, sense. But yeah, poor this is poor, uh, poor uh, Rakshasa Death Dealer or whatever, right? Yeah, I think the problem is that white is too good. And everyone needs to play white. Mm. And if you're focusing on that, then you don't have enough black mana to make that good. Also, um, Urborg rotated. That's which true. made that reasonable. Yeah. And now it's a lot harder to make that work with the mana to have the black. Especially because you want to play fetch lands and the dual lands from Battle of Zendikar. Right. But there's not a green-black one. But there will there's be. Not yeah, There will be, so maybe he'll make a comeback. Yeah. But for right now, you can only fetch green-white. Right. That makes sense. That so makes a lot of sense. It's just that the mana doesn't work with that anymore. Yeah. Whereas it works great with uh, Ward in the First Tree, because you just need green-white. Yep. No doubt. And so there's like been a lot of like Abzani decks that are now focusing on white just because that color is so good right now. Like you're seeing a lot of like Bant and even Abzan decks start to stick uh, uh, Night of the White Orchid okay. in there, um, which I like. Like so, like basically, I haven't played Magic in a week and a half. Um, <laughs> might even be longer. I can't remember. Gosh, yeah, longer. So not even this past weekend. The weekend before that was when I was going to play in that PPTQ, and then I couldn't. Right. So, Or I could have, but then even if I won, I couldn't play in the RPTQ that it was qualifying for. So I was playtesting for that, so that would be a week and a half ago then. Um, so I was playing Sam Black's deck, and I just cut the blue entirely because I just wanted to play instead of Dispel. I wanted to play... I was noticing like I, I didn't really have much that I really wanted to counter and I wanted to play either main deck Den Protectors, which were great, or even Knight of the White Orchid, because if you just cut the blue, you, you can get double white on turn two and still play like your green cards with no problem, like Elvish uh, Visionary and stuff like that. So I was playing White of the Knight Orchid either main or in the from the sideboard, and you just side in whatever you're on the draw, and it was actually really good. Is it White of the Knight Orchid? What is White of the Knight Orchid? Knight of the White Orchid. What is it? No, I have... Oh, what seems to be the officer problem? <laughs> I don't know. What's the joke? I can't remember it. Uh, White of the Night Orchid. That card. <laughs> White, White of the Night. White is an actual monster. Like, it's like a... Uh-huh, it is. It's a zombie. It is, yeah. W-I-G-H-T, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> White of Precinct 6. Yeah, Night of the White Orchid. So, tell me more about your, the deck... Tell me more about this. The night. Sam Sam Dex. The Sam Dex blacklist. <laughs> Black band. Sam Dex blacklist. Tell me more about Sam Dex blacklist. <laughs> yeah. So he plays. He plays White of the Night Orchid. He does not. Oh, he does not. Yeah. So it's a band list because once you're two colors in this format, so it's banned and it's blacklisted. Exactly. That's why it's so good. <laughs> no. So it's banned. Yeah. Because once you're running two colors with the fetch lands, they banned it. Exactly. No. So once you're running two colors, the third color is basically free, and the fourth color is free, and I guess the, but not the fifth color for some reason. The fourth color is free, but not the fifth. Anyway, because of the fetch lands, if you're running uh, a wedge, no, not the wedge, shard, um, with the with the allied colored fetch lands. And the allied color battle for Zendikar's duels, it's it's really easy to get like a third color. Right. So 
basically Sam Black figured that the splash for blue is just free. So <laughs> it's running a couple of dispels main deck, and I felt like I was getting like I wanted more card advantage, even though the deck's full of two for ones. And so instead of the dispels, I just cut the blue entirely and was just running uh, main deck den protectors. And I tried Knight of the White Orchids and really liked them. And I especially liked them on in the sideboard just to bring it in on the draw. And I that that was the direction I was going in while I was playtesting that deck for the PPTQ two weekends ago. Right. And so I was deciding between that and the Green Red Landfall deck. Well, that's where my testing was at. Cool. The last time I played Magic. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, green red, the Green Red uh, Landfall uh, showed up in the top eight of the, um, of the Grand Prix. Indianapolis. Yeah, in, in Indy. Uh, but first of all, so we just talked about the uh, SCG Open... And, um, again, I just wanted to also, uh, give a congratulations to Deanna for top eighting with Naya Eldrazi. No grizzle quest needed. Getting that cash. Oh, that can't be right. <laughs> That's awesome. The, the, the list says that she was running Cinder Giant. I don't know how she made it through that <laughs> Do you know what that is? No. Cinder Giant is a red and three. It's from Weatherlight. It's a five three. During your upkeep, Cinder Giant deals two damage to each other creature you control. How much does it cost? Four. For what? For a five three. Well, yeah, it's gotta be a drawback. It's gotta be a drawback. You can't just get a five three. Oh, this looks fun. What's the white for? The white in the deck is for the sideboard. It's for silk wrap. And I think that's it. It's for silk wrap out of the board. That's all the white is for. Maybe whatever the cinder giant is supposed to be, maybe that's what it's for. I think I think I understand. Yeah, so basically we're saying like if you already have a an allied color pair, such as green red, which is the base of the Eldrazi ramp decks currently, you can add the third color that's part of the shard almost for free so uh, in the case of red green you can either add black or you can add white if you wanted to and it's almost free and I think the problem having not really tested these decks too extensively like I play I've played a couple matches with them and it seems like a really good choice if all you're expecting is a lot of Jeskai black just because your end game just goes way over the top of what they're trying to do, and mm-hmm. no one's running counter spells right now, and even if they are, you your Ulamog triggers are free. Like, they're uncounterable. Right. So, like, and Abzan just, like, this the late game that you have is just way over the top of theirs, and it's really hard for Abzan to get on the on the battlefield super early unless they have a Warden of the First Tree. Uh, so basically what you're worried about is either, like, mono-red aggro decks or really early aggression such as Warden of the First Tree or Mantis Rider. So, yeah, if it's a free splash, Silk Wrap's a great way to deal with all the stuff that's really going to give you a headache. Yeah, true. Um, another shout-out to uh, Parker May for making top 16 with a Tarka Red. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, also, um, I know that uh, I'm not looking at the legacy coverage, but uh, William Craddock uh, Deanna's boyfriend also made top eight of the legacy. 
Neither one of them won the event, so they were a little bummed about that, but they both top-aided their own their events, which was cool. I like that people are still playing Legacy. Well, this is the thing. We'll get to talk about this now. So this is the first time that Steven has heard about the uh, changes Let's see. to the SCG organized play. So I don't want you to read it. I don't want to look, look okay, away. Yeah, I'm looking away. Okay, so... I uh, a soundproof booth. First of all... Wait, no, a... Um uh, a booth that photons cannot penetrate. So organized play, right? So now they're reducing the number of events. They're also calling. They changed the name from the Open Series to the SCG Tour, right? All right. Here's the Open Weekends for Season One: December twelfth and thirteenth, Vegas Standard; January second and third, Cincinnati Modern. January 9th and 10th, Charlotte Modern. January 23rd and 24th, Atlanta Standard. January 30th and 31st, Columbus Standard. February 20th and 21st, Louisville Modern. February 27th and 28th, Philly Legacy. March 19th and 20th, Indianapolis Standard. April 9th and 10th, Baltimore Standard. What is missing? Uh, Anywhere in the Northeast, anywhere on the West Coast, and Texas. Right now, the Northeast, they actually said, uh, has a lot to do with the weather in this part of this season. Oh, okay, that makes so sense. So there's no Boston because it's going to be buried in ice. Okay. Uh, no Texas for this half of the season, which we, we don't know what's going to happen going forward. Um, but no West Coast. Yeah. I just so, noticed, I'm like, that's a lot of Mideast so, and, so like, Charlotte. Sentence after this. Due Midwest. to increasing logistic complexities and rising costs, we do not expect to host many open weekends in the western half of the U.S. in 2016. Period. Period. So, uh, that, so that's a thing. First of all, there was, and the second of all, another thing that pissed people hold off. Hold on, hold on. I, I peeked down. I, I, I want to see. What's that, what's that new play, Matt? Hold on. There's one legacy event. That's where they're at All now. the other ones are standard and modern. Um, kitchen links. Ah! Ah, that's awesome. That makes up for this. That makes the up kitchen links playmat is kind of amazing. Uh, it really is. I'm I'm not. This is not the creature series though. This is different, and I like it. Okay. So um. Okay. So okay. So um. So that's the deal with that. You know. The so wait. How much? How many less? Or how often less? Less often? I don't know. This? I think it might be like two or three less because usually they were every weekend. It looks like they're just like. Skipping a couple weeks here and there. Yeah, but they normally skip a couple weeks for like the pro tour yeah, and, and pre-release yeah. and stuff like that. So this doesn't seem that much. Okay, okay. So let's keep going. Okay. So just like they did before, the events that the 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 format that isn't the main event is going to be played on Sunday mm-hmm. in two separate simultaneous tournaments. Same thing. Sounds good. Look away from the screen. Please uh, look away from the screen. Look away. Okay. I'm in a so I'm here. In a here are the. Here is the, the, the new events are called classics, right? Here is the prize payout for the classics. The winner of a classic gets 1,800 prize wall tickets, 15 SCG open points, and a qualification for invitation. The finalist gets 1,800 prize wall tickets, 10 SCG points, and one qualification. Top four gets 1,800 prize wall tickets, eight SCG points, and, an, and a qualification. 
The top eight does not qualify, but they also get 1,800 prize wall tickets and six open points. Uh, top 16 gets 600 prize wall tickets. Top 32 gets 300 prize wall tickets. Participation, you get one SCG point. So, what is missing from the, uh, from the day two events? What is the uh, key element, the uh, secret sauce, if you will, that is absent from the day two events at the SCG Opens? Cream. No that cash. is right. Yeah, no cash. The secret sauce is, in fact, cream. Cream is the secret sauce, and it is not present in these events. Hmm. So what is your likelihood of, let's say you can't make it on a Saturday for whatever reason, or let's say you don't make day two. What is your likelihood of going back to the event to play in one of these classics? Uh, Give me a percentage. Well, I mean, those SEG open points are really important to approximately 32 people in the United States that are playing for the, uh, trying to qualify for the players championship. So that is relevant to, 32 people in the United States. Um, I, uh, hold on. No, I'm not one. I'm not one of them. So I don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to play in the classic. I don't know. So probably 0%. What is your excitement level about 1800 prize wall tickets? Even if you just top eight, you don't even have to win and you get all 1800 prize wall tickets. How excited does that make you feel? So it's like itchy and scratchy bucks. Yes, essentially. Okay. I don't know what that is, but I know what itchy and scratchy are. It's it's from the Simpsons episode where as soon as they get into the itchy and scratchy world park or whatever, it's like, would you like to exchange your money for itchy and scratchy bucks? He's <laughs> like, well, what's the difference? It's like, oh, it's just like money, except, uh, you know, more fun. <laughs> and then as soon as, as soon as they get in, all the stands and all the rides say itchy and scratchy bucks not accepted here. <laughs> That's amazing. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know what eighteen hundred prize wall tickets means. It does feel like the you know like you go to the state fair and instead of paying ten dollars for a hot dog, you go in and you exchange your ten dollars for five tickets, and then you get to the booth and you're like, well, this is only this is only a three ticket corn dog. You're like, oh, okay, three tickets for a corn dog. That sounds wait, that's six dollars for a corn dog. You know, they kind of fool you. Right. You don't know what's going on. So you could get, for 1,800 prize wall tickets, you could get an uncut sheet of Magic Origins Uncommons for 1,000 tickets. Okay. And then an uncut sheet of Battle for Zendikar Commons for 500 tickets. And let's see, we have 300 more tickets to spend. We could get Battle for Zendikar packs. We could get 30 Battle for Zendikar packs. 30 packs? So you get like a... 300. 10 tickets each. Hmm. So 1,800 tickets is the equivalent of 180 packs. That's actually a decent amount. It's a decent amount of packs. Like, but how many boxes is that? That's like... It's almost six boxes. It's almost six a Six boxes is almost like 600 bucks? That's not bad. It's not bad. It's actually not... I mean, I just like... <laughs> this is terrible, but like I'll go to GPs and I'll have prize wall tickets, and like I will just routinely forget to spend them. You do. I've seen you leave them on on the hotel desk. I'm like, oh well, well that's 300 prize wall tickets. Whoops. <laughs> uh, that was a box and a half of con. Oh, no. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, my experience has not been good. Like, so I I don't have a good sense for the value of money to begin with. I waste it. And tickets is like more wasteable money, so I don't know. That's dangerous for me. I'm gonna say not good. So now here's 
here's where I think this would be cool. This is what I think. So most of the times, so this is the thing: is that you not spending those prize wall tickets at the event made those tickets worthless. Yeah. If these tickets were to transfer from open to open, and were also to transfer from opens to Grand Prix run by Star City Games, like if they normalized the whole system and made it all, you know, made, like, allowed that to exchange, that would almost give the tickets a monetary value, just like the TCG player points. More than that, I would say. More than that, probably. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, if, if, if you were allowed to use those tickets at any SCG event, then I think this system actually becomes very cool. Um, I'm not sure that's the case. You know? I think mm. that's something we need to get clarification on. But if that is the case, this system's potentially kind of cool. Yeah. Because if you could go, well... I'm going to just hold these tickets till I go to the GP to see what kind of sweet stuff they have there. You know, like, if you're doing that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know, or you could go, crap, I didn't use my points, let me throw them on eBay. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's what makes me think they're not going to do it, at least, like, I, I could see them when they have a standard prize wall that's transferable between events, which is what this is. Like, I could see their tickets being usable in the Opens and then not at the Grand Prix. Just because it it makes the Grand Prix prize walls kind of less special. So you don't have people, like, trying to save up. Like, oh, I want that giant Grizzle brand. And then, like, someone just that's grinding the Open series is just, like, they just roll up to the GP. Like, boom, I'm taking that now. I'm right. Take that. Um, so I don't, think, uh, I don't think they would do that. Like, I don't think they would have an event where they had a different prize wall. But the same price while tickets were available, like to spend on it. So I now I, I still could see them doing it, like for all the opens and classics or whatever they're doing, where you could use the same, like when when it's the same rules, same prices available, then the same currency can be used. But I doubt they'll have it where it's like they have like a special prize wall, unique prizes, or you know things that are kind of like a one off. But then you can still use all these tickets you've saved up over time at other events. Yeah, but you'd have to actually save up the tickets and you'd have to go to the event. I think that'd be fine. Who cares? If if somebody wants the thing... I mean, how many times is somebody trying to save up for something at an event show up and it's gone when they get there anyway? Yeah, you know? this just guarantees that'll happen. So what? I think it's... I think that, like... This is the thing. This system... Mm-hmm. is going to fail. No, I don't think this, so. This... Classics series for day two is going to fail. And it's going to fail hard. I predict that this system goes away by season two at the latest. Or they allow transfers between all SCG events on their prize tickets. I think one of the two things has to happen or this is going to be a fantastic failure. Who in the hell wants to you throw their money down. I mean, it's probably going to cost thirty bucks, just the same as it cost before. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the opens already cost fifty dollars. You know, it'd be you're playing for cash at the opens. You know, you're paying fifty dollars, but you're playing for cash, and so it's actually much less of a feel bad 
to throw down that much money to play for cash. Throwing down 30 bucks to play in a day two event of an SCG Open, like, these aren't Grand Prix. Like, people travel for to them a bit, but not like they travel for Grand Prix. Now, the people that are actually in contention for the Players' Championship in SCG, like, they'll travel for, for Open. Right, but... And that's, like, that's the whole thing where it's just, like, you will never have a top eight not split now. There won't even be top eights of these classics. Right. Well, that, Unless it, it is split. I mean, it's split. You're just playing for the points and the qualifications. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, no one's going to care. <laughs> right. Like, the odds are, like, there's not a lot of people that care about SEG Open points. Right. Like, just very few. There's, there's, that's only relevant for, like, maybe 30 to 60 well, people that's total. Not, that's, that's not true. 15 points qualifies you for the Invitational. 15 points. Mm-hmm. I'm five away, I think. You know? Because I got points from states. Sure, then you top eight, and it doesn't matter what the distribution of the points is, you qualify. You only need how many points? I need, well, I would need five points, but I need okay, five so you make, points by December. See, yeah, but you make happen. the top eight of one of these. Right, right. Are you even going to bother to play the top eight out? I don't know. It's interesting. You have to because yeah, I know. I mean, there I mean, are the, points and qualifications on the line. Yeah, that's true. But that's kind of funny. But I like the cash event thing where you can be a jerk and everyone wants to split and be like, nah, well, you have, yeah, yeah, nah, we're playing for this and this. Everyone's like, sure, dude, whatever, we don't care. I got oh, I got my got my my prize wall tickets already. Yeah, I'm flush. I don't like it. I don't like this at all. I think this is a terrible idea. I mean, and it's just. It's the only reason why it's a terrible idea is because like people will go out of their way to show up to a Sunday event when it's a cash event. I don't think people are going to come all the way out of their way for prize wall tickets. I just don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think that enough people, I mean, I don't think people are going to just show up and spend their money to play in this. They're not going to go out of their way for it. Not like they would when there's cash on the line. No. Uh, especially competitive players. Like, I know, like, whenever, like, I play in a PTQ or any other event like that, um, this is, I guess this is a little dated now, but, uh, yeah. I mean, when I was playing in PTQs, top eight just did not matter. Top 16 did not matter. I did not care what the price support was, because it was all in packs. And, and it's like, well, you got second place, congratulations, you have, you got, like, two boxes or whatever. I mean, who cares? Right. But that's not what you're playing for. Right. Um... So, yeah, the, the SEG is different. The reason that people go to these Opens is it's like a kid's cash. Right. That's why people are going. They're not going because there's not an invitation at the end of it. There's an invitation to the Invitational, I guess. Right. Um, but you can play an Invitational qualifiers like every week if you really want to. Right. Um, that's, not what, that's not what people are playing for. Uh, they're playing for cash and mostly, I mean, just to win, you know. Right. And also the giant novelty check. Yeah, I actually, uh, I want... I want to be like Happy Gilmore and have them cut me a check no matter what I place at an event from now on. I want a giant $100 novelty check to 64th place. That's interesting. I don't know. I I, I think you've just made these events a lot less compelling just because I don't really... Because the top eight has a flat payoff structure and I just don't care about SCG points. Yeah. And most people don't. And I've just... I'm not like mad about it. I don't think I'm like, oh, they should have never done that. I mean, I don't I think they should have never done that. 
I think this is a big mistake on their part from a business standpoint. Oh, no, I think from a business standpoint, this is really smart. Because they're already de-emphasizing the classics. They're already de-emphasizing the non-invitational um, qualifier, whatever, now classic part of their tournament. They're, that was already being de-emphasized. And now this just makes a lot more sense from a business perspective for them, just because there's just a higher margin. Because, you know, whenever your your cost of a dollar to pay out as a prize is a dollar, whereas now you get, you know, you can get a break on it because it's actual products that you get at a cost and there's like a margin embed in that. So this makes a ton of sense for them. If they can get, still get the same relative, like even within 10% participation, it makes all the sense in the world for them. I don't think they're going to get it though. We'll see. That's what I mean, we'll see. If they can come close, if they can come within even 10 or 20, like if this knocks participation down by like 10%, yeah, this was a home run for them from a business perspective. It's also cheaper to put on these tournaments because they're not going flying out to the West Coast and flying out all the equipment. So I don't disagree with the scheduling. I mean, like I, I understand the scheduling and the locations. I and, definitely understand. And that. it could be, you know, this could be an opportunity for Channel Fireball, which is predominantly based in the West Coast. Maybe they're thinking about stepping into the open game. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. That, that is conspicuous that you have this large population here that's you know not going to be. Attend, you know they're, they're not going to have these tournaments. It's leaving a void, and there just happens to be a really large site that takes these kind of things seriously, that uh, hosts GPs and all that, and they're they're based on the West Coast. Yeah. So who knows? Nah, I, mean, I don't have any information. I wish I wish we did. Um, I love to speculate, though. Yeah, I, I I think that they could very well be doing something like that. And I really think this ties into the fact that SCG is run by lizard people secretly. So that's another little speculation there. That's a science fact. Mm. I think it's a lizard person that they spoiled for the commander set. And all the <laughs> we're not going to talk about the commander set. All of the uh, invitationals next year. There are three because they divided into three seasons now, not four. That's the other big change. Is that there are three seasons? That didn't matter. I, w- I was not paying attention enough well, for that. Well, anyway, yeah. um, but there is four seasons, right? Great, I, I great have to fan, get rid of fan. get rid of spring. I don't like spring. Well, we don't get spring. Yeah, so we are we are we're Texas. We have two seasons: really hot and kind of cold. Um, oh, Jesus, so corny. Summer, fall, winter. That's those are the three seasons they should have for the invitationals. Yeah. <laughs> Star City Games is powerful, but they are not powerful enough to eliminate a season. Okay, listen, I've been doing a lot of traveling, and that means you get to listen to Alex Jones, and he has a lot of theories about the lizard people running Star City Games. (laughs) And I do think it's not beyond their powers to control the seasons. So, no legacy in any of the Invitationals. None. It's all standard and modern for all three Invitationals. Um... You know, I wasn't playing that much Legacy to begin with. Like, and by not much, I mean almost never. So this does kind of make me sad, because I was thinking about selling out of my dual lands. <laughs> so if this, if this hits that now, I'll feel bad because I didn't sell. But, uh, yeah, I just don't ever get the chance to play Legacy, ever. Right. And for a format where it's just like, oh, yeah, it'd be kind of fun to do, I'm like, well, I'd rather just sell these cards that are like $200 a pop. <laughs> Yeah. And have the cash instead because I'm just—it's just sitting there. I'm, it's not doing anything, and I do think at some point Legacy is just not going to be a format that anyone plays anymore, and those yeah. lands won't be worth anything. I mean, they'll be worth something just because they're of collectible value. But in terms of their desirability from play, you know, to be able to play Legacy, like 
I, I don't know. That's <laughs> you're not getting a lot of utility out of them. Nope, not at all. I think that they've just Star City created legacy. Basically, mm-hmm. I mean, like they created the demand for legacy, and I think they're now going to destroy the demand that they created. I think they've decided that they're out on it. Maybe yeah. they have. You know, maybe they've just decided to move out on it. And they can dictate the market so much that they can just go out on a format and then the format dies. Yeah, it was a cover. They were just trying to support the format until their brethren and the Illuminati <laughs> sold their, their dual lands. And Stop, stop, stop. And now it's over. No, so... Um, and the, the, the wool that's been pulled over the sheeple's eyes can finally be lifted. We can find out that Legacy was just another Star City Games conspiracy. <laughs> So the other change is that the invitational winners will also receive an invite to the Pro Tour. That's pretty sweet. So that's actually happened, and the Players' Championship winner will also receive. For some reason, that also has, like, you know, <laughs> a vanishingly small amount of relevance to me, but I still think that's sweet. Whereas, you know, all those SCG open points at the Classics had no relevance to me, but I'm like, that's stupid. There are a lot of people who are very upset about the legacy and lack thereof. Good. These people are old. Who cares? What are they upset about? They're upset that they don't get to... You know, they're, they're enfranchised legacy players, and now there's not events that force a bunch of chumps that they can beat to play legacy for one weekend. And that's why they're upset. Although, it was really funny. Like, every, ta- every change pr- prior to this that they made was like, listen, we are not... Don't even think for one split second... That we are not supporting Legacy. We are not replacing it with Modern. That is just absolutely not happening. Do not worry. And now they've liquidated their inventory of dual lands. And now they're like, you know, surprise. Oh, wow. So now they're not issuing open points anymore. They're issuing SCG points. So they've changed that. <laughs> What's the difference? I don't know. Oh, because it all just feeds into the you know, player's championship, I guess. Right. And that's all that this is based around now. Wow. What's that? Each IQ and Super IQ prize kit is going to include one retired open series playmat to be given away as a random door prize at the end of round three. And in the first quarter, it's going to be Tassiper. Ooh. They were buying those at $50 each. It's not bad. In Madison. That's crazy. Okay, state championships are actually happening still. Oh, all right. But they no longer reward open points. That's the one thing. So I got open points from the state championships, but it no longer is going to be the case. But they are going to have... Oh, okay. So their WPN premium qualifiers and carry a 2x Planeswalker point multiplier. That was the one thing I actually was angry about, about the state championships, that it was a 1x. Yeah. I was like, come on. Really? That sucks. Like, I almost wouldn't have played in it if I knew it was 1x. Like, it's just... 1x is just so lame. I just need I need all the points I can get. 2x is I mean almost twice as. But it's fine though. It's just fine. 2x the planeswalker. But uh the open series will be issuing 4x. Oh really? Yeah, that that's is another cool. that's another change that's really good. Yeah, the opens will be offering a 4x multiplier, which is really cool. Actually, that's all Invitationals, Opens, Classics, and Regional Championships will hmm. all be WPN premium event- events and have a 4X multiplier. That's pretty cool. 
It is. I guess. God, we well, we just talked about that a lot. We did. Um, let's just talk. Uh, let's see. Is there any Esper tokens? Yeah, there's like a million cool decks in GP Indie. Yeah. So okay. So tell me about some of the decks that you're into. So tell me about some of these decks in Indie. Sure. So there was a uh, Bant Hardened Scales deck in the top eight. Um, again, the Bant part, the blue is mostly just a splash, but the core of the deck is four Hardened Scales, um, four Mana Gorger Hydra, which yeah. is... That card does get out of control. If you're not playing... You, you gotta have hard removal for this, and people are skimming on their ultimate prices and just really relying on Silk Wrap, and when you run out of those, this thing can just become an unstoppable... Yeah. Hydra of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got two abs and Falconer, just the combo. Mm-hmm. Get all your creatures with plus one, plus one counters flying. Uh, it's got... Uh, I can't even read that. Four Avatar of the Resolute, four Hangerback Walker, four Den Protector, and four Servant of the Scale. Wow. Four Jamoka's Command, obviously. Four Stubborn Denial. That's what the blue's for. Okay. Yep. And, uh, ooh, that's pretty spicy, actually. No, it's not. It is what very, is... very spicy. So, um, another card on the deck list that isn't what uh, you said is... Uh, Spicy. Spicy's the word I'm back. I'm back on spicy. No. First, it wasn't spicy, but now it's spicy again. No. Spicing it up at Grand Prix Indianapolis. Oh. God. With just... a spicy brew with several spicy selections. So, uh, yeah, Feet of Resistance, you know, you get plus plus one, plus one counters, and, you know, that's, that's all good. Yeah, Feet of Resistance, and then Stubborn Denial are just to protect your Mana Gorger Hydra from the Silk Wrap, which is basically the only way to kill it right now. Mm-hmm. That people are commonly running, and that is there's just one word for that: <laughs> innovative, innovative, cutting edge technology. Sure, love it. Very nice. Yeah, they're like the Google, but of deck design. Winds of Call Sisma in a sideboard. That happened. I don't like that. That like actually happened. For a split second, I don't like that. Chapin running Esper Control. He's been pounding the table on that. Everyone's surprise. Um, he's been saying that's a really well-positioned deck. He also With no Dragon Lord of Jutai. No, so that's... Since the Pro Tour, this hasn't been a Dragon's deck. It's been a straight-up Esper Control deck. It wasn't running... It has one Ojutai in the sideboard. Yeah, so basically Ojutai's been terrible because the most-played deck right now is Jeskai Black, and, Je- and Jeskai Black is black primarily for Crackling Doom. Huh. So Ojutai is terrible versus Crackling Doom. But you run him in the sideboard, and you just bring him in against literally any deck that doesn't run Crackling Doom. Hmm. And it's good again. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so uh, this deck's a little different than the one he played at the Pro Tour, because um, this is running Ugin, which I don't think he was running previously. So that seems a lot better, and I think it was kind of a reaction to... The initial design was assuming there's going to be a lot of colorless permanence, just because of all the cards from Battle for Zendikar. But then after the Pro Tour and the first couple weeks of Standard, it was like, oh, no one's really running any of these crazy big Eldrazi, and Ugin's just, you know a sweeper again because everyone's running abs in and just guys so uh it's safe, safe to slam yeah it's safe to slam that down it's like a game ender Silum guards look this list is so weird look at this cards in this ma- i'm gonna read this list sure 
two Ugin the Spirit Dragon, two four Jace Vin, Vrin, uh, Vrin's. Prodigy, they know who Jace is. Four expensive ass Jace. One Dragon Lord Silumgar, one Languish, two Planar Outbursts. This is amazing. Two class. This is where it gets so weird because it feels like half of this is sideboard cards. Two Clash of Wills, two Negate, one Horribly Awry, two Ultimate Price, one Surge of Righteousness, two Anticipate, one Hollowed Moonlight, one Scatter to the Winds, three Ajutai's Command, two Utter End, one Murder's Cut, one Silumgar's Command, and four Dig Through Time. Like, Surge of Righteousness main, I guess... I mean, I guess Mantis Rider... Siege Rhino, that's pretty much all the decks. Well, it's a really like it's a really great card against some decks that you don't have a good matchup against, and this deck has access to four dig through time. So uh, odds are you're not going to initially draw it, and you'll probably just see it in a dig through time. And if it's great, you'll put it in your hand. If not, you'll put it on the bottom of your library. Additionally, you're running four Jaces, so it's perfect loot material. True. True. So. I think once you have four J's, four dig through time, you can start just loading up on just random one ofs that like are really conditionally good, and then conditionally awful, because you have the opportunity to just either loot them away or put them on the bottom of your deck. That's cool. Yeah, I get it. I like it. Yeah, it turns out this Patrick Chapin guy is good at Patrick Chapin. Patrick, oh, it's Chaplin. It's Chaplin. Mm. Patrick Chaplin's Esper Control. He's probably a reanimated clone of Charlie Chaplin. I know that's something Star City Games has been working on in connection with the Bilderberg Group, but well, can, let's continue. We've got an Esper Tokens list. Raymond Perez Jr. He's back on the Pro Tour now. That's great. You know who this guy is? Yeah, Ray Future Pro. It's on Twitter. He nice. fell off the train. He was Rookie of the Year. Fell off the train oh, no. by like a point huh. last season. Oh, wow. And so it's just like, well, I'm going to have to get back on the grind, get back out to those GPs, and he did, and now he's back on the Pro Tour, so that's awesome. Nice. Uh, yeah. Esper Tokens is not an archetype we've seen lately. No. Uh, and that, by lately, I mean at all or ever. Ever. Uh, but this is cool. Uh, one Obnixilis. Tokens, though. It's, it's got... Two Soren okay, makes tokens. Soren, four, four Gideon, Gideon makes okay. tokens. That's true. Three Wingmate Rock makes a token. Hangerback Walker dies and makes tokens. That's it, though. Three Secure the Waste makes tokens. Oh, there's Secure the Waste. I yeah. didn't see that. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. So this is a little bit of... This is like an Esper Control-ish type thing with an actual clock so you don't time out. I like it. Yeah. I like it, too. I like that. I like sort of an Esper sort of aggro deck. Yeah, bad. but it still, it still has a lot of control elements with, like, Ruinous Path, Obnixilis, mm-hmm. Utter Ends, Ultimate Price, yeah. and uh, Murder Scut. Bant Megamorph, we've seen. Brent Clausen won, just playing straight up Abzan. Four copies of Gideon. And four Warden of the First Tree. And four Warden of the First Tree. Abzan is still good. Red Green Landfall finally made top eight again, which is good. It's always been a really good deck. Yeah. Uh, and by always, I mean for the three weeks so far of the standard format. Uh, it's the deck I was planning on playing at the PPTQ. It's actually a really hard deck to play. Um, to play super efficiently, but I, th- I feel like it's still good. Um, but I feel like, you know, the cat's way out of the bag in terms of, like, you know, how it can kill you. And I feel like Ultimate Price showing up in all these other decks, whereas Week 1, uh, the consensus was Ultimate Price is unplayable. Because everyone's running 
Mantis Riders and Hangerback Walkers. So it's either colorless or all the colors. Right. And I think some of this is a reaction to the Red Green Landfall deck, where it's like previously everyone's like, well, well, still we agree ultimate price is unplayable, but Surge of Righteousness will take care of all that Atarka Red nonsense going on. And then you get comboed out with a Den Protector and have to rethink things because hmm. it's green. So I think the ultimate price is the reaction to this, but the deck still has a lot of raw power, so I'm glad to see it doing well. Me too, because it's one of the three decks I'm working on building. So, um, Yeah, I mean, I'm super biased because it's the deck I decided on, but if if you just want to get a deck and just get really, really, really good with a deck, mm-hmm. uh, I would recommend Red Green Landfall because it will reward you for playing the deck optimally, and it's a deck that has a very high power level if played optimally. And I think it's just going to be kind of like Mono Blue was back, you know, a couple standards ago, where it's just something you probably pick up and it'll still be good for a long time. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm four Abbott, four Den Protector, four Wooded Foothills, and a Cinderglade away. From oh, geez, being so able only to the this. most expensive cards in the deck. Well, I've got the I've got the, <laughs> the Bloodstained Myers. I've got the uh, the the wooded did I say wooded foothills yeah I, 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 windswept teeth is the one I need okay I've got the wooded foothills I've got the bloodstained myers I've got the uh, Atarkas commands which are really the those are expensive yeah so so you know I mean no, but, I mean, but still like that's just three play sets except for Jace Ugin the Fetchlands I've got this Esper deck just built shut up no but We're no good to go that's not bad, though that's like maybe a hundred bucks mm-hmm. you know like to build to finish building a standard deck which isn't bad you know, no. most of the way there, and I can get most of that done in trade. So, so it's good. So I'm real. I'm real close. I mean, I don't have to build this deck tomorrow. You know, I'm slowly working on building standard decks. Yeah. Over the next couple months. So, uh, but so it's cool to see it doing well because uh, I want to be able to play it, and I want to not have to. I don't want to spend my time building a deck that isn't playable by the time I get to it. So, well, and when you do, you know. The Stone Masons will then make it unplayable in league with the Bilderberg group. Right. So many conspiracies tonight. Where's Mr. Orange? He was digging too deep. You're on to something. Yeah. He knew. You're on to something. He knew. He, he knew what was happening. He knew it was coming. That Okay, so Star City is obviously doing this in league with Wizards of the Coast, because otherwise how could they give out the Pro Tour invitations? He figured this out ahead of time. Yeah. He knew too much. You walk into his bedroom and it's just covered in <laughs> wall to wall. Yeah, it's just like push pins and like strings of yarn, like connecting different, you know, so they got Mark Woserider's head <laughs> like on one end. And there's just an org chart of Wizards of the Coast in the other. Yeah, go on YouTube and search Epiphany and my last name, Panuska, and you'll see a video that's very similar. Truth is out there, people. Do you work for Star City anymore? No coincidence. Yeah, man. I don't think so. Yeah. Open your eyes, sheeple. <laughs> Lots of cool decks right now in standard. Standard looks cool, right? Yeah. I. It's amazing. I mean, there's a couple like there's a there are decks that are you know still the boogeyman, if you will. You know, like Abzan. But is, even barely. I mean, Abzan yeah. doesn't really do well at tournaments. He just keeps winning them. It does, and it just I just don't understand it. Because <laughs> no, like it doesn't do well; it just wins. Like it doesn't feel oppressive, like at all. 
The only thing that feels oppressive is when someone casts a second siege rhino. Right. That's the only thing that feels oppressive about it. Right. Everything else is just like, okay, you casted the spies and missed. I'm sorry. Mm hmm. Like. Yeah. But they're, but, but like, so, I mean, you know, obviously, this is the thing is that in Magic, you're going to always have tier one decks. You know? Mm hmm. Tier one is what it is. The tier one decks right now are, you would say, Jeskai Black. Yep. Which Green, I just, white, which Megamorph. I just Conceded by calling it that. Oh yeah, it's three white megamorph, the Abzan, obviously. Sure. And um, red green landfall. You think red green landfall is tier oh, 100%, one also? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of tier one apparently. Well, I was going to mm-hmm. say there's That's, a lot, yeah. but there's a lot more like tier like one point five. You know what I mean? Like there's like not even tier two, but there's like a whole lot of decks that are just kind of just there under blue black aristocrats. Yeah, they're all there, and it's like and there's Harden lot- scales apparently. Yeah. There's a lot of decks, and it's cool. Like, and I didn't think it would be cool, but it's cool. So it makes me happy because I don't want to hate standard. It's, you don't. I don't want to. This is news to me. I don't want to hate standard. I don't want to hate any aspect of Magic. It's Magic. It's awesome. So well, we're we talking about them Commander spoilers, then? No, or? we're not. Oh, okay, I'm so we're not yeah. jiggling. Sorry. All right. I don't know why I have these goggles. You know, happy time, Steven. Just being around you kind of makes me want to die. But anyway, I guess that's the show, huh? So a couple quick announcements before we wrap up. Uh, first of all, uh, they've started spoiling the uh, Commander 2015 product. We will not talk about it on this show, but if it's something you care about, you can go on to the Wizard site and see for yourself. Secondly... Uh, they announced a couple things. They announced the dual decks, Blessed versus Cursed, which sounds like it's going to take us back to Innistrad uh, just in time for um, the second announcement. So that's February 26th. And then April 2nd and 3rd are the pre-releases for Shadows over Innistrad. Uh, in post, I'm going to need you to edit in some thunderclaps there. And fat screeches. Yeah. And then the follow-up set... Now, did they do this on Halloween? Please tell me they did. They sure as hell did it on Halloween. Of course they did. That's great. On the GP stream. That's awesome. Yeah. And then the set after this, they've announced, and it's Moons Over Miami. No. I don't believe that. No, you shouldn't believe me, because that's a meal at Denny's. Yeah, okay. Well, this is another lie force-fed to us from... No, I'm joking. All right. (laughs) Um... No, it's a meal force-fed to us at Denny's. Yes. You would never have to force-feed me anything at Denny's. I would never consent to almost anything on the menu at Denny's, but, you know, liquor me up a little bit, and I'm good to go. Oh, man. I just had Denny's, like, less than a week ago. Fantastic. Cool. So, yeah, a couple cool things coming down the pike. Pretty good stuff. But, anyway, it's now 1.21 in the morning. Mm-hmm. We started this podcast super late. Yeah, I was on the road today. Yeah, so. yeah, he was driving back, and I was like, yeah, well, let's just do this. And we got some trading done, so I got some cards towards my standard deck, so I was pretty happy about that. But I think we're going to call it a week. Um, next week, we are going to... Is there, is there anything significant magic-wise... I think there's, like, GPC tech, which we're definitely not talking about. Legacy. We're not talking about it. Um, talking about how I sell my dual lands into it. No doubt, right? 
So next week is the week before Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So next week we're going to talk about limited. We have to. I have to. All right. I have to talk to you about limited next week. Sure. I have to. I have to go over everything that I've thought about. We need to look at this set from a sealed perspective. Mm-hmm. I feel like my drafts have been decent, but I feel like this sealed format is the hardest sealed format I've played in like in ages. And it's not just me going, "Oh, it's so bomb dependent." Oh, it's so this or so that. I, it's th- I the- think it just rewards you playing more than two colors. Like it rewards well, I've been flashing. Doing that That's too. not something you naturally. No, do. but I've been doing that, mm-hmm. and I four would a daily. Mm-hmm. The other day, but then I went one three in the in the limited championship qualifier the next day. Mm. Every time I feel like I've solved, like answered a question, two more are posed, and it's just a deep, rich format. I love it. I love the challenge. It's not like I'm frustrated. I love it, but I need to review it with you. All right. So we're gonna go over sealed next week. All right. Um, I, will, I will play a sealed some daily. Something I've been playing sealed on 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 moto for the last three weeks. It hasn't been going well, but except with the exception of the one I did not on camera, isn't that great? Mm. Uh, very convenient. Uh, sometimes I hear that the camera adds fifteen losses, mm. but um, I would know that because <laughs> that's my approximate record on camera. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're going to go over... We're, anyone who's going to Atlanta, check in next week because we're going to go over sealed. And we're going to go over it hard. And we're going to look at each color. I'm gonna, I just want to do this. I just want to go through sealed thoroughly and, and, and analyze it. So let's do that. All right. That's what I want to do. So we're going to do that. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's all we have for this week. That's it? That's it. Was there all something right. else? I mean... It's probably not an accident, Jason's $9. You think the Federal Reserve is going to... That's just going to happen on accident? And the X-Files are coming back? X-Files are coming back. Truth is out there. Yeah. All right. (laughs) The look you're giving me is so ridiculous. All right. Oh, so... Just trying to make America (laughs) great again. Star City won't let that happen. Stephen is wearing a Make America Great Again hat, by the way. Woo. Thanks, Ben Friedman. Thanks for thanks for giving wow, him the impetus to order this damn hat. This is me. <laughs> this just feels right. I want one. Like, I, 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 I'm not even lying. Like, I want one so bad. All right, let's just wrap this up. Okay, so uh, so join us for that next week. And until then, we are YoMTG Taps. Stop bitching. Start brewing. That's what they pay me to say. The puppeteers at the top, with the, the eye at the top of the pyramid. That's what they, that's what they want me to say. And that's what you're gonna have to believe. Yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, the album's already done. Yeah, yeah, collect the funds before we do these shows. Gotta go on a press run. Yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, that album's already done. Yeah, yeah, collect the funds before we do these shows. Gotta go on the press run. Yo, the rhyme pays more eyes once I ride through the doors. Of- 
Yo MTG Taps is available every Friday on LegitMTG.com, IWantMyMTG.com, MTGCast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Brainlink, Telegraph, and via Passenger Pigeon at PigeonCast.com. Questions, comments, or free sticker requests that I will hopefully one day get around to can be sent to YoMTGTaps at gmail.com. The intro music is the song Press Run by the amazing Baltimore MC You'll Never Know and is produced by W. Additional background music produced by Logic Marsalis. Purchase all of their music at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. That's magnetic with a K. Seriously, purchase all of their music. Find us on Twitter and Facebook to guarantee infinite happiness forever. Finally, make sure to check out my weekly limited stream, Head Games with Big Head Joe, every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash legitmtg. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.